Texas Law Dog Podcast, where we will get you off, literally and legally. Law Dog, all right, bro. Okay, well, good morning, guys. Welcome to episode one of the Texas Law Dog Podcast. Um, I'm here with the Log Dog himself. Uh, my name is Akash. I'll be your co-host. Um, and it's my brown this, brother from another mother. Brown brother from another <laughs> mother. Yes, sir. And uh, the purpose of this podcast is we primarily want to give the... Uh, we were kind of looking for something like this that already existed on the market, and we found that there's no one really giving the general public information about what exactly they need to be doing in terms of uh, if they're getting arrested or any interaction with the justice system or the law. And from firsthand experience from you know, someone who has experienced uh, both as a criminal lawyer and as a degenerate himself. We have, no, I'm just kidding. We have the Texas- Criminal turned criminal lawyer. Yeah, cur- yeah turned to the good side. Uh, uh, we have the law dog himself, so- The good side. <laughs> yeah, the, the light side of the force. Yeah, a lot of so, district attorneys would agree with that. We, uh, I'm excited, guys. Um, but again, just to, just to throw you out there. So, I mean, today we're just going to be just spitballing different topics, main things, but- this is kind of for y'all. So I want, I want our listeners to kind of be engaged in the comments. Uh, let us know what more you guys want to hear about and what exactly, you know, if there are any pressing questions, uh, be sure to, you know, like, subscribe, and talk to us in the comments. And we're going to be very active in the comments, responding to all those things as well. It's time so, to give the power back to the people, my yeah, friend. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's what I do. I mean, I get to hold the government accountable for a living. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of a dangerous job when you actually think about it. I actually he's a, he's piss a people vigilante. off for a job. <laughs> for a while, vigilante for a fee, but um, yeah, That's absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting because um, people ask me like, why did you pick criminal defense? You know, like as a job, and a lot of the public actually has exposure more to this side of the law than like people that do real estate transactions and boring shit because this stuff's on TV. It's just portrayed incorrectly. And um, I think that, you know, the first thing I tell juries or jury pools, whenever I'm picking a jury, you know, like, like I stand up, the DA is given their spiel and they're like half asleep. And I'm like, all right, everybody stand up. <laughs> I like yell at them and they just pop to attention. Like, that's how I know I've got them. And they're like, all right, I want you to repeat after me these two words not guilty and they all say it and i'm like that is the correct choice <laughs> and they all <laughs> laugh and i'm like all right everybody have a seat i just don't i i, I want to have a conversation with y'all I, I try to be personable because when you don't have the law on your side like my job isn't to prove my client's innocence it's to hold the government accountable to its burden of proving their guilt so a lot of people think you but a lot like the majority of people go into court and they see somebody sitting there and they're like man that guy probably did it but what it becomes is who's got the better lawyer <laughs> and they'll ultimately like that's my job is to advocate on your behalf and to um work some magic that you don't know how to do so, i mean what are what are do you have any specific examples of things that were kind of eye-opening for you in terms of before while you were uh, let's say still a civilian versus uh, on the uh, on the other side on the other side of the law now 
I mean, look, dude, I had it easier than most. I was uh, a white middle upper class, upper middle class kid growing up. Right. So my experience is completely different than maybe even yours or maybe even a young black kid like in the hood you know it doesn't matter who you are um you're gonna have a different experience with the police unfortunately because there are varying levels of um criminal justice in this country you know i think that there's different levels for everybody depending on who you are so i think my experience growing up was, well, number one, I love to argue. So my mom's like, you need to be a lawyer. I want to be a pilot. I have terrible eyesight. So I was like, fuck it. I need to be a lawyer. And, um, I'm really good at arguing. And I was like, I loved politics. I studied political science in college and, um, it was a worthless degree unless you go to DC and work for those scumbags. So I decided I was going to go to law school and, uh, you know, try and craft a life for myself. I always had an entrepreneurial spirit. I always was like, I, when I was five years old, I'd be selling bags of rocks on the corner to people driving by and they would buy them because they felt bad for me, you know, but I was just always trying to like bake a side hustle and just try to make it work. Um, so that I didn't have to rely on anybody to, you know, live. And when I graduated law school, I, uh, I came home and studied for the bar and, um, week before I passed, I ended up getting a DWI. So <laughs> I've been on both sides of the glass. And I'm like, fortunately, I then had to get a job to pay a really good lawyer to get it dismissed. And uh, now I use that as an example for everyone that I'm talking to and that, look, I've been on both sides of the glass. I've used a roll of toilet paper as a pillow uh, in jail and it sucked. And I absolutely get where you're coming from and how scared you are because your entire future, look, I was going to go work for the DA's office and uh, they, it just completely fucked my life over. Like I had to completely start over. I didn't have any job prospects. I think I applied to like 75 jobs this in 2013. I didn't get a single fucking interview. I mean, maybe a couple. I went and like, I tried to interview with these traffic lawyer consortium and like as their lackey that would go from shitty municipal court municipal court not saying municipal courts are shitty obviously but they're a necessary uh way to fund our counties and uh, municipalities obviously for your tickets and your heinous crimes but other than that i mean like it was eye-opening to me just um a how much the people don't know about their own rights and the little rights that they have left uh and b they don't know how to interact with police correctly um and that's just kind of like the main reason that you and I kind of we talked about doing this is like we wanted to just help inform the public as to like the day to day uh, stuff that you otherwise don't see. I mean, this is not shit you're going to see or hear about on court TV. It's not stuff that you're going to, um, you know, watch on ABC network television like you're not you're going to get the inside track. Um, obviously, I can't go into specifics about, you know my specific cases and stuff like that but you'll get a general idea kind of of how you know i'll run like as as we go through these episodes like i'll i'll go from everything from when i was a law student defending a guy who beat up his girlfriend because she stole some of his fried chicken to taking a <laughs> 
taking a felony choking case when I was one year out of law school for like a thousand bucks and trying it and I'm having a, no fucking clue what I was doing. And ending I'm up a winning. lot more interested in the fried chicken case. <laughs> it's uh, that was a fun one, man. That's when I decided I knew I wanted to do this for a living. <laughs> That's awesome, bro. So, well, is there like anything that you would say is the the most common misunderstanding? that you you've had to see it in terms of people just in general in terms of the justice system or what lawyers yeah yes do. if you're the most common misunderstanding is that if you're poor the cops are fucking awful and if you're rich the cops are the only thing standing between you and the poors and honestly that is a massive dichotomy it's one that we have not addressed in this country and it's a real um, it's a real it's a real issue it's not like a pretend like there are stratified systemic differences between how, you know, poor people, the justice system treats. Look poor at the people. data. I mean, right. Jesus. I mean, look at the uh, one of the presidential candidates wrote a crime bill that put a ton of uh, nonviolent drug offenders who were primarily black men in jail. And uh, <laughs> self-admittedly on a, you know, the debate last night, he said it was a mistake. And I, you know, it was, it was a massive mistake. It, it, the war on drugs, all of that shit is failed. I mean, it, and, and the, and the people who are middle-class to upper middle-class to rich don't get it because they've never interacted with the system. They've never had the cops drive through their neighborhoods all the time looking for people to arrest or people to fuck with. That's just not their experience. I mean, because like, if, if you look at the nitty gritty of it, it's, the majority, of, I'd say 98% of police officers are good people. They are, 99% of them are good people. But there are, there's something about some people, man, that just want to sign up to, you know, and it, that's maybe just worth exploring the deeper psychological issue. We can get into yeah, that. Yeah, I was going like, to say, bro. That, you know, it's, it, it's, 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 you hope that most people sign up to help people, but there are a couple of bad apples that sign up to hurt people, unfortunately. So that is proven. We've seen it obviously throughout the decades. And um, it's something that obviously needs to be addressed, man. If it was up to me, every single police, like if you're a government employee, there's so much lack of transparency these days. Uh, you know, the public is in the dark about so much bullshit and it's unfortunate because there's not many people that speak out against it it's dangerous it, it, it ends up costing people their jobs it ends up costing people their lives sometimes if they go too far and man when you look at the corruption in anything um it runs deep and unfortunately you know our uh, <laughs> it don't matter who you vote for odds are if you follow the money usually you're going to find something dirty. I mean, it's it, when you go up the train high enough. And, uh, and a lot of times that's why you're seeing a lack of transparency in all of the stuff. You look at Breonna Taylor, you look at George Floyd, you look at all that, uh, these upcoming cases. I mean, those are just media bias recency, you know, like stuff. But, um, you know, even down in Houston, we've got cases where we have a, a full-on training day cop that um, just got arrested for essentially lying on over you know 100 cases that you know put a bunch of people in prison and this happened recently yeah oh yeah yeah and uh pull it up if you want uh gerald goines is his name and he uh he's an alleged uh defendant still and um but he is an uh hpd narcotics officer that was 
he's in a world of shit right now. But um, essentially, they busted him. There was a no-knock warrant done on this couple um, over in a poor neighborhood of Houston. They alleged that they had heroin and they were crack dealers and stuff like that. They went in there. They ended up didn't finding any drugs. They found a little bit of weed and a little like a baggie of coke. Um, and it turns out like the entire situation was like training day akin. I think two officers have been fired and two are under indictment. But I mean, it's everywhere. You look at any major metropolis, you're gonna find stories like that. And the media isn't going to cover it necessarily like they are going to cover what they want to, but um, you know, digging into the nitty gritty of it is something that's, you know, it can be sometimes it's, it's dangerous because a lot of people it's power. It's um, you know, it, you've, you've got a lot of moving parts at the top of society, you know, and <laughs> a lot of the people that just are trying to live their lives and go about, you know, their days and work their jobs and, and make it to the first and make rent just don't have time to comprehend all of this. So kind of my goal is to give y'all maybe like a cliff's notes version into, you know, the seedy underworld that is criminal defense because it's, it's a wild time and it's something different every day. That's why I love doing it. I mean, if there's, if there's one major takeaway that you want people to have from this podcast, what would you say that there is or that it would be? Hold your local government leaders accountable. Cool. Fix That's the important. problem from the stem sure. up. Because, I mean, we don't have good people running for office anymore. It's, it's, it, we do at the local level sometimes. But fuck, man, if you look at the federal level, like it's, it, it's all fugazi. You know, red versus blue. It's easier to control with two colors than an entire rainbow. Yeah, and bro. So if you even, zoom out, <laughs> it's even, so easy to see. It's all just WWE now. And it's, it's, it's stupid because... The, there's a lot of people that buy into it and unfortunately it's just propaganda on both sides you know? Dude, i remember watching i remember watching house of cards like three four years ago like oh, and and watching yeah, a, watching an article uh, reading an article a couple of years ago where someone there's a someone off the record was like this is it's shocking how similar it actually is real it is to real life like all the um the favors and the the bullshit and the the politics you know is actually just people you know everyone doing each other favors and Look, man, most people don't, they don't, the richest people that, the richest person someone knows they've never met, right? Uh, people are going to, like, people are going to go to Thanksgiving this year and they're going to argue about Nancy Pelosi, someone that they've never fucking met, someone that doesn't give a shit about them. <laughs> and yet they're going to fight about it, you know? And it makes you wonder, well, what are we actually talking about here? And so when you look at it from, well there might be two justice systems in play there's one for us and there's one for them and you know when you get into the upper echelons of society and the people that control stuff it's uh divide and conquer is their strategy and so obviously when you put these wedge issues towards the people you know like a brianna taylor for instance I think that that brings up a good point about like the no knock warrant issue. I think that the public needs to be aware of that. Like that cops can literally just come and bust into your house. If there's someone that says that you're selling drugs out of there. I mean, if you look up, there's a thing called swatting that's like really popular recently amongst uh, these Twitch streamers. Like they get really mad and they'll call, the police like in the person city they'll find out like where their address is they'll either dox them uh which is where you like reveal personal information online 
Um, or they'll like call the police and be like, this person's holding someone hostage. They'll send a fucking SWAT team. To that. <laughs> Look at, there's a case in Kansas where a kid opened the door and he got shot and died because somebody swatted him. And uh, it, it, it's not talked about, obviously. This shit gets buried up real fast because if you didn't, you know, if, if people really looked at the deep stemmed issues, it is, it's just control. I mean, that's, it, this is a means of control. Like the criminal justice system in general, I, what I found in, in my years of experience is that for the large part, the, 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 the large majority of even the assistant district attorneys I work with are great people. It's just that we have a fundamental difference of belief. They think that they are doing the Lord's work by honoring the law written by the legislatures. So like, for instance, I've got a, you know, I, I think that the fact that weed's still illegal is asinine. I mean, it, it's 2020 and we've got how many people still getting fucked with either on probation or whatever. And they're having to hire me just because they're getting a positive test for THC where it's legal in certain states and yet uh, it's federally illegal probably because it would make uh, the alcohol and pharmaceutical industries a hell of a lot less money. So, you know, I mean, but that's so, a conversation for another day. I mean, let me, let me play devil's advocate, bro. Do you think it would be better for society if we legalize weed for better for society as a whole? Like, It'd be a hit on my bottom line, but honestly, it's yeah. the right thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> and like a lot of criminal lawyers won't say that because they know and it's it already has you know i've lost a bunch of money just because it, you know where i practice they don't even arrest you for uh finding you with bud it's you know vape cartridges right? and shit like they'll still they'll still take you to jail but depending on the cop um now obviously it just varies county by county you know in texas you've got some counties that are living in 1950 and some that are in the present. And um, it's usually the further rural you get, the more uh, uh, arcane. Uh, yeah, arcane. the devil's You're, lettuce. You know what I mean? You're going to be, be dealing smoking with. the devil's lettuce down, down <laughs> here in these parts. Get up, go on, get. That shit will kill you. Get, get, get out of here. You should scat now. Devil's lettuce smoking little. I need my beer. <laughs> Now that is, it's whiskey paleo now. And, uh, you know, it is what it is, uh, uh, but literally it's just an old mindset and, and people's, their minds are evolving. And I, unfortunately, you know, like with the advent of the internet, even it's just been a beauty to see, well, until recently you could have debate, you know, the old internet back in the like wild, wild west. <laughs> How old are you? Like 25? Yeah. 25. <laughs> so wait, do you even remember like, the original memes from like 2000 when they had like jib jab where it was like John Kerry and George Bush, they're making fun of his purple hearts. And they was like just claymation and I was dancing around. And that was what the internet used to be. It did not used to be aunt Karen. Yeah. yeah, the Karen Sharing her fucking Thanksgiving recipes and then talking about how there is a global satanic pedophile cabal, right? You know, it's like, we don't want to, we don't care, Aunt Karen. Stop fucking talking about that on Facebook. Or, uh, it's a battle of my grandmother's to comment on my photo first. So I got off all that shit, man. Like, literally everyone that's a millennial is like going away from it, which is hilarious. Um, as far as like the politics in social media has just, I think that's truly, if you look at the root of everything, 
I mean, that's something we need to explore because it's it's completely fucked our society. If you just what <laughs> yeah. it's done to us man it's gonna we we're all just self-indulging assholes to each other and so how are we supposed to fix anything if we're just too busy waiting on our next amazon prime delivery you know it's it, i don't know it's it's something that we need to kind of explore on a deeper and, meta level i guess but it, it'll of, tie into everything would you say i mean so in terms of like everything we've been talking about today dude um, has there been, I mean, I, I know COVID has also been really weird, uh, for everyone, these basketball, but I mean, what is it, what has been the biggest surprise for you in terms of just, uh, how the, how things have, in general over the past and dude, I saw this happening in March and I was, I lost my shit. Like I was like tinfoil hat. <laughs> I mean, I literally didn't know what to think. Um, I guess for me, yeah, how unprepared we were, bro. Like, how Well, that's it. And it's like the court system, I mean, from the local to state to the federal level up, we were so fucked. I mean, there was no way there was going to be a winning side here. Like, it, it, it's, it, it was a catch-22 um, for all the federal officials, obviously. But, like, at a county level, now every single county judge is doing something different. So we have no congruent system to where like i've it's made my job almost impossible number one because we don't have juries anymore so juries have been literally cut off since march and if people don't know the way that criminal justice and the way that like the court system and the civil side even moves is with juries because without the threat of trial you don't move cases um literally people are disincentivized to especially at the civil level where you're making money billing move cases uh when you don't have juries because trial means put up or shut up and you you're, you're either going to believe in your case and you're gonna sit there and can try and convince them uh with a straight face or you're gonna take the deal or you're gonna settle whatever it is and you've got to understand that all of our lives especially like uh, majority of the people my colleagues all work for themselves so we are all small business. There's no like national firm that does criminal defense. You know, you've got your, your hot shots in New York, LA, and you got like Rusty Hart and Dick DeGear in here, you know, like the racehorse Haynes, the guys, you know, and you see on TV, but for the most part, everybody is a small business owner, just fine trying to get by. And we haven't been able to earn a living, man, because it's been, uh, just, if you don't have the court system functioning normally, like, shit's just going to keep getting delayed so man then harris county there's a guy that's still on bond or he's in in custody since 2011 awaiting a murder trial it's 2020 it's nine years and they still haven't tried the case so you've got that is, is indicative that of the problem Wait, is that legal How can- <laughs> <laughs> is that legal it's a great question absolutely according to some person who his thinks lawyer just keeps pushing back the date like he, he, no it's the government and it's and it's um literally it's just they if it's a capital murder they're gonna hold you on a no bond until you have a trial and for whatever logistical reasons if they can't find yeah, I, mean, I, think, I think it's super interesting how you how you were how you mentioned that um without the threat of threat of trial you know this disincentivizes people from moving the whole thing forward like it it i, I mean let's go back to talk about that for a little bit I don't, I, I mean, I don't think so. I, I'm familiar with how it works, but I don't think a lot of people are familiar. With <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of people are, 
I don't think, I mean, only because of uh, my line of work, you know, not nothing to do with personal, personal mm-hmm, experience mm-hmm. or anything, but uh, that's it. So with the with the justice system, bro. So you have your uh, your DA and your prosecutor, and then you have your defense attorney, and it's usually you know. So talk about that. The whole yeah. yeah. So no, forward. like the whole process. Like all right, the majority of people fuck up because they don't know their rights to begin with. That's how you end up in cups. Um, let's talk about like let's take DWI. That's a very uh, popular example. It's a very popular crime. Fortunately, it's becoming less popular with the advent of uh, Uber, Lyft, cabs. Literally, when I got mine, I was in a small college town. There was no, everyone drove drunk because there was no way to get around. Literally, I was on student government and I was lobbying our faculty to institute a rideshare program. (laughs) And these Baptist overlords are like, we don't have a drinking problem here. So, of course, it didn't happen. But Literally, I mean, it was like, if you didn't drive drunk, you weren't going out. And so I either didn't know you or I didn't hang out with you because that's just what I did. Two years sober, by the way, last weekend. So we'll get into all that. But thank you. Um, (laughs) My old life was a complete fucking shit show. And uh, it's it's, going to be entertaining for the listener. I obviously understand that. But it'd also be a good lesson for some youngins out there, I think. And... um, Especially if you're a white guy, like middle class white guy, you're probably lost right now. You're not allowed to have an opinion, you know. It's it's it's, <laughs> or it's dangerous to have one anyway. Like that's not, um, you know, just molding to whatever. So I, it, obviously, it's going to be a. a it, it, when you get arrested, it's it's going to change your life because that's the first thing I tell someone is I'm like the dentist. No one wants to fucking pay me, but you need me. And <laughs> people understand <laughs> that. I'm, I'm not their best friend. I, you're not pay, you know, but we, I do have some friendships with some old clients, but that's just because I saved their fucking lives. And they obviously know that. And I do form relationships with most of my clients to where I, I care. And I, um, you know, a lot of lawyers get caught in the rat race. So they're just trying to make money cases and i i saw my you know i've seen people do that and i knew when i went out on my own i was just going to kind of craft a different strategy which is to just i gave people my cell phone number for instance like i don't have a secretary i don't have a middleman i want you to be able to text me you know and that's kind of a really new school approach to lawyering and um but going back into it so you get arrested right go we'll take a dwi for instance um most people have like most people aren't a gonna remember this because you don't remember shit when you're hammered so you're already fucked number one don't drive drunk then you won't have to deal with any of this let's it goes without saying but if uh it's not illegal however in texas to drive after drinking it is illegal to drive while intoxicated which um if you want to pull up the elements uh of the crime i think it's section 4904 I'm probably wrong about that, but um, as I recall off the top of my head, the state has to prove that um, on a particular date in a particular county in Texas that you were um, intoxicated while operating a motor vehicle. So they break down the intoxication definition as the lack of your physical or mental faculties or a but alcohol concentration level of over 0.08%. 
So um, that's the basic crime. And then if, it, if you have a blood or a breath test that's under 0.15, it's a class B misdemeanor, which is a uh, maximum punishment of six months in jail and a $2,000 fine and or a $2,000 fine. And then if you're over 0.15, um, it becomes uh, a class A misdemeanor, which is a year in jail and a and or a $4,000 fine. So I already tell people, look, and, and when MAD changed the law in 2007, uh, the Texas legislature amended it so that you couldn't have deferred adjudication. So a pseudo uh, made quick, DUI. Quick point, MAD is Mothers Against Drug Mother Against Drug Driving, yeah. Cool. So the big lobby, uh, you, know, might, like, you might remember from back then, like the law, the last major DWI law change, besides the administrative license stuff, which we'll talk about, uh, that all changed last year. but. Um, and that, because essentially when you're arrested, you get two cases, they take your license and you get the criminal charge. So you're double fucked and, uh, you've got to deal with both and they're two separate things, but they tie into together, which is why it's essential to call your lawyer like immediately or get a lawyer immediately. If you are arrested for DWI, because you only have 14 days to file an appeal on your license revocation. And at that license appeal, I can get either a lot of valuable information from the officer, or I can either save your license and make sure that the jury knows the officer didn't show up to that license revocation hearing at your criminal trial. So, um, but back to the DWI stuff. So like if you get pulled over, right, most officers are immediately going to smell alcohol if you've been drinking. Um, they just are. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's training day 101. Like there's a... Standard field manual called the DWI Detection Standard Field Sobriety Test. I learned this better than they learned it so that I could beat them. Um, and that's essential for anyone who does DWI law. You've got to know how they're trained in order to know how they screw up. Uh, right. You know, because what generally they're going to do is if you've been drinking, you always need to deny having had any sort of alcoholic beverage if you admit that you're getting out of the car immediately so the number one thing and we need to make like a little download guide for these people so that they can just keep this in their visor <laughs> um, yeah, but sure. essentially yeah uh that way you can kind of have the rundown of what all you should or shouldn't say what you shouldn't say is oh yeah i only had a couple of beers and i'm driving home from wherever what you should say is which is which uh, is ironically what everyone everybody's always, like oh it's just two beers fucking thinks they're the most i could literally get a dime for every time i heard spot, two bro. beers i'd be a rich ass man i'll tell you what and i mean it's it's like, it's true literally everyone's like two beers nah it's just two beers full <laughs> fucking shit <laughs> everyone everyone point two nine is not two not beers three, motherfucker. Not one. i only had two beers officer <laughs> Like I'll have, I'm on my oh, dude. I mean, look. When I, uh, we'll get into my DWI one day. It's not going to be this episode, but it it was nasty. And I handed in my Canes Raising Canes Rewards card as my ID. That's, that's how I started the interaction. <laughs> this is not going to be know. a good. Night. Everything you need to know is right here. <laughs> exactly. And so I look. I learned from my mistakes. I and then I hired the best DWI lawyer, who I'm gonna obviously we're gonna have him on at some point. But um, he uh, he saved my life, man. And so now I he he inspired me to save others' lives. And so uh -huh. basically, and I made a mistake. But literally, the 
what my situation was was it's been expunged it, you won't find any record of it obviously but it's uh you know it was just a bad fucking night and it was a mistake and i paid dearly for it in the you know it was what it was but but luckily i was able to avoid any kind of like massively serious repercussions because i had good counsel and a lot of people just don't have that ability either because they can't afford it mostly a always because they can't afford it you know it's just it's a uh it's a financial thing so that's why like when i take a case i always try and work with people you know i always put them on a payment plan or give them some sort of reassurance that i'll be able to work with them because like look most people don't have 10 15 grand lying around i mean they just don't i mean the average individual I think I read can't even afford a $400 like emergency expense. Like you need tires or something like that, you know? So that severely limits who's a going to be able to afford a competent lawyer. Um, and B it's going to clog up the justice system with a bunch of lawyers who just want to plead cases. Right. So I've met a bunch of lawyers that are, you know, been in business 20 years and they never tried a case. So, and what I do, the way you stake your reputation and, and, and make, uh, you know, some real moves in this life is by trying and winning cases. And you've got to, you've got to have a lawyer who's competent with a jury and that, you know, is that you would trust to stand up in front of people and put your life in their hands. And, and it's like, a, I think, I don't know, it's, it's like a parable. It's a, it's a universal thing. Like the more you're, you're detached from, for example, like when you, a lot of times when you learn how to fight, when you learn self-defense or whatever, the fact that you know how to fight often means that you end up getting into less fights, right? So like the fact that you're not afraid to threaten going to trial or whatever, it, it, That's gives, it, you, man. it gives you <laughs> in that situation. So then whenever you're dealing with most lawyers who don't want to go to trial, like the fact that you're ready for trial, you know how to standardize the officer's manual, officer's manual, whatever. So the, I mean, if anyone ever, you can call their bluff, right? So that's it, man. And that's the thing is that most, most lawyers aren't going the extra mile. They don't know all the shit that they need to know. Uh, you know, and unfortunately it's the good it, ones yeah. that can combine the knowledge and the personality. And you have then the people that, you know, are going to make names for themselves because they aren't scared. And yes, like when I walk into a courtroom, most DAs are going to roll their eyes because they know that I'm going to fucking annoy the hell out of them. And right, I'm right. going to just be like, not all right, let's go, baby. Like, get your witnesses. I know they're not coming. And then they're just going to be like, fuck you, man. And so that's literally what ends up like, I get to go to a job where we used to say fuck you to each other. And it's like in good spirits. And <laughs> it's not personal. I mean, it truly isn't. Sometimes some DAs make it personal. I've had ones that are like, you know, 99% of the district attorneys I work with are really good people. And they are just trying to get trial experience and do their jobs. And, uh, but like they, they understand that we are like actors more than we are lawyers. We have to make what we do relatable to the common man because that's how we get our point across is through through six or 12 common men at a time or men or women and um you know if you don't have a lawyer that knows that he, what the fuck they're doing you, you should expect to get a uh, shitty deal and for example when you when you go to court date and your, your court date gets reset 18 times 
that's that's because neither lawyer is willing to go to trial at that point and but they still can't come to an agreement on the settlement right so um whenever you do have a, a lawyer who's like you know you, who's ready to go to trial it speeds up that pro you can get everything behind you and until your shit's uh you get the main the original case taken care of you can't even deal with expungement and all that until like six months after your you know thing gets taken care of or whatever the depending yeah on i mean i'll give you a classic example of what happens right get arrested and you can't afford a lawyer. So they appoint you one, but you end up getting a really shitty court appointed lawyer, right? For whatever reason, uh, you know, a guy where you, <laughs> you're just like, man, you know, you're fuck. when you walk into the courtroom and you see, <laughs> Dude, I've had you, those, bro. I've had like the, you can judge lawyer. like a, their, tie, their tie is either not a bolo or, it's it's gonna be halfway up their chest they've got shoes that are like 50 years old and <laughs> they just like there's dandruff all over their suit jackets they're not an american flag blazers how could you fucking trust this person right so <laughs> <laughs> you've got you know it, it, it's truly just a, a a luck of the draw situation when you're forced into that and you don't know who your lawyer is or he's some shitty dude so you've got he's going to take a year just to get the stuff he needs from the state. Whereas I can get it in a couple of weeks or I can subpoena it directly, you know, and then you, and then you're just dealing with constant resets and you have to keep going back to court and you, your life is disrupted. You might lose your job. Like it's, if you don't have a good lawyer, I mean, it truly does screw you because I, it's sad. I walk through the courthouse and I know that my guys are going to be fine. They got me. But like a lot of the people sitting in those lobbies are just fucked. And, and it does truly have to do with who your lawyer is. Dude, I know I, I've had like a court appointed lawyer and, um, you know, and it, it was, I was literally telling him what to do. Like, no, dude, you should go back, go back and ask. <laughs> like, you know Actually, like, I Googled uh, this and the law says that yeah, you yeah, shouldn't not even, do that. Not, yeah, he was like, no, the, the best you can do is uh, we can get you probation i was like are you fucking stupid like i didn't even, <laughs> like, I didn't even do it <laughs> like, i said this for trial man i gotta yeah, go like, golfing on friday what the fuck are you doing exactly exactly they'll they'll literally like you could tell them you could tell everything you could be like, i'm not guilty and they'll be like no nah, no we're gonna do we're, so we're gonna go for probation uh i got you a great deal like they always start with, <laughs> always, yo, i got you a, I got you a great deal, deal bro look you dude, guys, that's blah, they blah, teach blah, you blah. that they teach you that when you have shitty mentors and that's the, the big difference is that law schools these days, it's not like med school, right? You don't have a residency. You don't get trained on how to lawyer. You, law school is just a massive money grab for these schools for the most part, because they don't teach you how to be a lawyer. They teach you the law by a bunch of like winded dick bags that make way too much money in retirement. And now they just teach because they hit a big case, right? Like I was taught civil procedure by the legend Bill Dorsanio at SMU the dude was a nutbag and I actually don't even know if he's still there, but he was awesome because like he was the guy that wrote Dorsania's litigation guide and anyone that's a, a practicing litigator has heard of that. And so we could keep it to get taught by the best. I mean, but the thing is like the best, the dude would stand in front of the classroom. And he, would, he was senile. He'd had like four strokes. So <laughs> he's not, he's like, you guys need to learn how to bribe the judges. <laughs> He's like talking to us. He's like, yeah, yeah, no, no, this is how it actually works. You need to fucking, you need to have lunch with the judges and that's how you win the cases. And so I'm sitting there as like a, a 1L uh, in basic civil procedure. And this guy's like, 
teaching us to bribe judges. <laughs> he's got tenure. They're not going to fire him. He's Luis Bildorsanio. He's the man. And so, like, you know, it was just when you don't get taught how to actually practice. Like, luckily for me, I did a criminal clinic. So that's shit where we're getting cases for the law students. It's the stuff that even the public defenders doesn't want. Fried chicken guy, for instance. Where I bought this square briefcase. <laughs> it was like 20 bucks on eBay. <laughs> I had a can of Lysol in it. And, uh, I would, and some folders. And like that's what I bring to the courthouse every day. And like it was just going to jail and going to court. And I was learning the grind. And two of my really good mentors, Michael Collum and Brooke Busby, they practice up in Dallas County. Uh, they were incredibly gifted teachers. They were the ones that honestly, I learned more from them I took a class, for instance, like third year of law school, taught by these two U.S. attorneys. Phenomenal class. It was about the uh, Timothy McVeigh case. And we actually got to meet Stephen Jones, who was the criminal defense lawyer who represented Tim McVeigh. And uh, I got to ask him questions and stuff. So it was awesome. But the reason that I knew that I was destined for criminal defense and not government is we were tasked in our final with giving a closing argument. And uh, I lit this fucking close up with the defense and I was self-depreciating. I was funny. And I, these two squares didn't even laugh. They're like, what? Well, why would you self-depreciate? You should never put yourself in a vulnerable confirmation with a jury. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? That's how you become relatable. Like I'm the common man. What the fuck? And so that's when I knew I was like, ah, fuck man, I can't work for the government. Like I just, uh, <laughs> it's too, it's too square and I'm two shades of gray. You know, I'm not black and white. Like I operate in the gray areas of life. And, um, you know, I think that that suits my personality and it suits my clients winning, um, because I'm able to not only demonstrate a mastery of like the field sobriety tests or whatever, but I'm also able to do it in a way that either makes fun of a cop. Like for instance, I had a trial once where a cop got caught texting on his mobile data terminal logs, like, LOL, at least we're going to get this kid for a felony. I blew it up onto a full poster board and I'm handing it to the jury <laughs> and I'm questioning the officer and he just completely loses his credibility and they lost the case right there. I mean, it's just stuff like that where you've got to dig through the details in order to really be successful in this job. And you've got to have a solid private investigator who's going to go and do some dirty digging because as much as we hate to admit it or deny it, some officers lie. And so when that happens, you've got to do your own due diligence to protect your client. You know, you've got case, I've got, I've got cases set for trial now where it's a, he said, she said, and like, I've got to, I have got to balance a fine, delicate line between going after police officers and then like, it, there's a difference between holding them accountable and then going after them. I think like this entire disband the police thing that we're seeing recently, for instance, like that's never going to happen. If you did that, all that the rich people would do is hire their own private militias. And then it, they probably wouldn't have as fair of a justice system as uh, we do now. Right. Where there's yeah, zero think, accountability. I think, I think the defund the police thing is like, if anything, they need more training. You know what I'm saying? It's not, that's it. We need more social workers and less right. like less MMA. You know, we need people who are willing because the large majority of the stuff that goes to awry is mental health. And that's another massive 
fucking issue that is unaddressed uh, in the court systems, especially, is and, and, and addiction, drug issues. I mean, all of that stuff. You know, we could keep a ton of our jails cleared if we just had social workers or you know licensed uh, professional like psychologists that would travel around with these police officers. And there's a lot of beta programs that are actually happening right now where they're doing that, and there's finding a lot of success. So if that's the case, then that is, instead of the defund the police, like we've lost all sense of moderatism in this country, man. We've lost critical thought. It's like, it's, it's my side or your side. It's us or them. And I, I honestly, a, I give danger a, in that, man. I, give, I give a lot of, I don't dude, know. We're turning into 1984 if we go that way. Dude, I don't know if it's because of, um, maybe I just didn't notice it before, but I do give a lot of credit to that to Trump, bro. Like he really just broke the the public media. Like there's no objective journalism anymore. Or maybe I was too young to like see it before. Well, but, hey, like, look, nowadays- man, I, that's a good point. Like I was a kid. Look, I'll give you like a brief example, right? Like I was an atypical teenager. Most kids want muddy so they can get a bike, like and and do cool stuff or like how go out, like whatever. Like I wanted money to invest in the stock market. Right. I was that kid that was interested in never making money for someone else. I hated corporations. Right. And so I wanted to make money off of them, obviously. <laughs> so, I mean, the way that you like, I would get the newspaper. I have read the physical newspaper. I still get it literally to my house every single day. I am the, probably the only fucking millennial that actually does that, honestly. But I think it was important because. I needed to know what the people were believing. I know that I know that the media at this point, when they updated the Smith Munt Act in 2015, uh, basically it allowed the three uh, the three letter agencies to get involved in the media. So I mean, you've got direct uh, propaganda efforts on both sides. Whether you got CNN on or Fox News, like I have two TVs in my living room. Sometimes I put on Fox News on the top, CNN on the bottom. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it makes sense why all of you are all hating each other. I mean, <laughs> if you have it on and you don't actually get out on the street and you talk to people like reasonable adults, then, of course, you're going to have the illusion that everything is completely fucked. Yeah, I mean, because it used to be like Fox News was like deliberately right. And then like MSNBC was deliberately left. And then it's like, thin, man. It's like yeah, you pick a side. <laughs> there, there were, I mean, like BBC and things were like, there were a lot of stuff. But here's the thing is that journalism, and, and I think it really happened after 2000. I mean, we, we had a massive shift after the advent of the internet. And I mean, I think with exactly. technology. It's got general, everything is shock value now. Right. Like people stopped trusting in print media because it went, it went online. And so it became easier to manipulate. And so once we all went from citizens to being data, centers we're oh, yeah. all just data portals now for these companies right so that's all we are to them um is data and unfortunately lesser educated people are very easily manipulable and it's just gonna be a way easier to throw them easy wedge topics that they're obviously not gonna be able to see through right there's uh, the bullshit that they're both these people, Pelosi and McConnell probably are getting together in the back room fucking laughing at all of us. You know, I mean, that makes sense at this point. It's why nothing ever gets done. The status quo is there to keep the current system in place. I mean, it doesn't get any clearer than that if you actually look around and see why nothing ever fucking changes in this country. Cool. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Texas Law Dog podcast where we 
will get you off, literally and legally. Please tune in next week for another episode with insights about how the criminal justice system operates. And tune in. We got a couple of special guests that will be coming up pretty soon. And uh, a lot of fun things happening for the podcast. So we appreciate your support. Please come back next week. Subscribe, like, share. And for the love of God, please don't text me your opinions on this. Thank you.